Welcome to part two of the podcast of this week's Nanaimo edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting Wednesdays on CHLY 101.7 FM. And now, Ukrainian Jewish heritage in cooperation with the Jewish Heritage Museum in Lviv, Ukraine. This special Nasholos feature is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter Initiative based in Toronto, Ontario. This is Volodymyr Valkov at the Faina Petrakova Scientific Center for Judaica and Jewish Art in Lviv, Ukraine. The pro-European protests in Ukraine that started on November 21st of last year have attracted international attention. The massive protests are seen as a sign of a growing civil society and democratic aspirations of the Ukrainian people. But some observers worry about the increasing popularity of the nationalist political party Svoboda and anti-Semitic statements by radical members of the party. Does this mean that anti-Semitism is on the rise in Ukraine? This is an important issue to consider. Ukraine once had a thriving and prosperous Jewish community, and for centuries it was an integral part of Ukrainian society. For most of recorded history, Jews have been the largest national minority on the territory of modern-day Ukraine. In 1765, the Jewish population numbered 300,000. By 1941, it had grown to 2,700,000. But within a few years, the Nazi Holocaust nearly wiped out Ukraine's Jewish population. It also decimated a substantial percentage of Ukrainians and other Slavs inhabiting this resource-rich territory. By 1959, the Jewish population in Ukraine was just 840,000. After the World War II, the Soviet regime resumed the spiritual holocaust it had begun in the wake of the First World War, carrying out religious and cultural oppression to destroy what was left of Ukraine's Jewish community. The population continued to drop due to a negative birth rate and emigration to Israel and the West. In 1989, on the eve of Ukraine's independence, Ukraine's Jews numbered about 488,000, and by 2012, just over 103,000. In a few decades, the Nazis and Soviets between them destroyed a cultural heritage dating back to the Kievan Rus era. During the rule of the 11th century monarch Yaroslav the Wise, one of Kiev's city gates was called Judaic. The 20th century destruction of human resources was accompanied by massive destruction of property, places of worship, commerce, and culture. In addition to the physical and spiritual destruction, the two totalitarian regimes and their legacies have severely damaged relations between the Ukrainian and Jewish peoples. Their tools are sophisticated and sly, national and international propaganda, orchestrated provocations, such as those still carried out on Euromaidan today, and media manipulation by carefully disguised political provocateurs. Upon Ukraine's independence in 1991, efforts at reconciliation began, spearheaded by NGOs both inside and outside Ukraine. One of the most prominent is the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Canada which incidentally is the sponsor of this Ukrainian Jewish Heritage Radio series. We simply cannot allow regretful episodes of calculated political discourse to set back the hard work and long-term efforts at Ukrainian Jewish reconciliation. Because, although much work remains, considerable progress has been made. The Association of Jewish Organizations and Communities of Ukraine stated that over the last four to five years, there has been a continuous decline in the number of anti-Semitic publications in the press, in the number of acts of vandalism of cemeteries, memorials, and synagogues, and in the number of assaults on the street of Jewish people, as well as declining negative attitudes toward Jewish persons in public opinion polls. While the Jewish population has its reservations about anti-Semitic politicians, Jewish community leaders understand the importance of fostering unity within civil society and the political opposition. On December 1st, 
the day after the government's violent crackdown on peaceful protesters on Maidan in Kiev, several influential Jewish organizations issued a press release condemning the brutality and expressing support for the pro-democratic movement. In light of this mutual goodwill and the progress made towards reconciliation since Ukraine's independence, do the ignorant and ill-advised comments of a few political extremists provide grounds to talk about increasing anti-Semitism in Ukraine today? Ukrainian-Jewish relations are still in a fragile state, but the strengthening of democracy in Ukraine can help create renewed trust, mutual understanding, and an environment in which anti-Semitism will continue to decline in Ukraine and, we hope, around the world. This is Volodymyr Volkov at the Feina Petrikova Scientific Center for Judaic and Jewish Art in Lviv, Ukraine. Until next time, Shalom. Join us again next week for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter Initiative.
that was the sounds from the Euromaidan that is in downtown Kiev. A group, several groups of Jewish musicians on Euromaidan filmed uh, just a few days ago, and uh, that is up on YouTube if you'd like to have a look at it, um, if you'd like to hear it once again. Again, that was uh, from Euromaidan Jewish musicians. Unfortunately, I was not able to get a hold of Volodya Volkov. Um, in Ukraine. It is late at night there, so, and he has a young family, and he's probably quite, um, uh, quite exhausted from uh, keeping track of all the events. He is in Lviv, which is uh, about a seven-hour drive from Kiev, but still it is in the same country, and uh, it is very troubling. I did get this uh, email from Renata Haninets, who usually narrates Ukrainian Jewish heritage, and uh, she just sent me a draft for a future edition. Uh, and here is what she said in addition to um, uh, to the information about the document. Today we celebrate a day of unity. Three young people are dead. It's really difficult to talk about it. I'm not talking about new laws because we now live in diff- a different country. I've never thought that something like that can happen in Ukraine. We are losing democracy and our country. Difficult to work because all my friends are in Kiev or want to go there. All my thoughts are with people on Maidan and Rushevskoho Street. And that uh, is from Renata Haninets, uh, first thing this morning. Let's hope and pray that uh, things, uh, for those who pray, <laughs> that, uh, that there will be no more deaths and the violence will end soon and a new era of democracy and freedom will come to Ukraine. Not too likely. Um, uh, Here's a song from 25 years ago that um, spoke to the political situation. This was recorded in 1989. This was performed by Sestrechka Vika, Sister Vika. She was um, a Ukrainian punk um, artist from the 1980s. And uh, here she is from a YouTube recording put up just um, last year. And a song that speaks different, just different names. Actually, some of those are still around. Uh, The situation is still the same, and the aspirations of the people are still the same. The song is called Hanyba which means shame. It is a message to Ukraine's politician by Sestrishka Vika.
українською мовою. А мені все єдино, ковбаса чи ковбаса, аби вона була. Ганьба! And that was Sestrechka Vika with a song with a message that uh, 25 years later is still very apropos, Hanba, or shame. I am very happy to tell you that we have reached Volodya on the phone. Uh, Volodya Volkov is with the Jewish Heritage Museum in Lviv, Ukraine. Welcome, Vitayu Volodya. Oh, hi, Paulette. It's a pleasure to be on air with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And um, now you're in Lviv, which is a little ways away from Ukraine, from Kiev, the center of the protest. But uh, you're still very much affected from what you've been telling me, what Renata has been telling me. Sure. Everyone is very emotional uh, here in Lviv, uh, and I'm, I'm sure everyone is uh, being very sensitive to what's happening in Kiev all over Ukraine, even in, in the East, uh, even in Crimea. Uh, you know, uh, the, the protest movement has really, you know, galvanized in the last, um, in the last week, and we have been uh, hearing reports on uh, more, uh, more or less independent media about uh, gatherings or, and uh, little protests happening um, in Sevastopol, in Simferopol, uh, you know, Luhansk, those are, you know, the Crimean cities and the far east uh, parts of Ukraine. Uh, and so um, here in Lviv, in the West, people are taking this issue very, very close and personal. And it's like, you know, when, when we were watching the events, uh, uh, the violence unfolding the other night, uh, you know, we all had tears rolling up our eyes. It was very difficult to just uh, stay, uh, 
you know, not to, not to care about it and stay indifferent. So everybody's very much involved. Do you have personal friends there on Maidan? What is that? Do you have any? Do you know people personally who are on Maidan who have been involved in, in the violence? Yes, I do. Uh, I have some uh, colleagues, uh, you know, friends of uh, friends of mine and my wife, and uh, they are uh, very popular singers, uh, and um, few, uh, and they uh, have always they are traveling all over, you know, France and uh, Europe every every year. Who are they? And they uh, they actually very. What's that? Sorry, who are they? What group is it? Uh, they're called Orfe. Orfe, a very popular. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's eight eight people, eight member uh, um, band. Uh, they sing a cappella, mm. and they sing uh, traditional and religious songs. And they always travel all over Europe, but and they're very, you know, they uh, actually are very expensive. And but they decided to cancel lots of their invitations, and they decided to spend uh, uh, their time on Maidan. And uh, a few of them have been there for about two weeks now in a row. And uh, you know, I know that the pers- uh, also my close uh, friends that are there, uh, they in and out. And so far, you ha- have any of them been affected by the violence? Have they managed to escape that? Yep. Um, uh, couldn't hear you very oh. really well. Sorry, did did uh, did your have your friends um, managed to keep out of harm's way and escape the violence? Yes, uh, yes. Thankfully, um, uh, yes, they have been able to stay out of harm's way. But five people have uh, been shot dead by now. Uh, you know, uh, most of the international media have reported the earliest uh, figure of uh, two people being uh, dead. Yes. But but no, uh, but by now this uh, the number has escalated to five people, and so everybody is really sad and also angered. Of course, um, Volodya, you just we just aired um, the Ukrainian Jewish heritage piece that you narrated um, about the uh, accusations of uh, anti-Semitism in Ukraine, and this is uh, this is an old song. This has been going on for a long time. Um, uh, accusations of um, uh, uh, Ukrainians are genetically anti-Semitic, and that this is, has been a chronic problem. But of course, you know we're working together to to deliver a, a different message, a message of truth, which is that. You know, given um, left to themselves, Ukrainians and Jews can get along just fine. Thank you very much. But when you've got outsiders mm-hmm. who are trying to cause trouble between the two, and, and uh, that's that's when the problem starts. Um, mm-hmm. There have been reports um, in uh, various publications of escalating uh, attacks against Jews in Ukraine. Uh, do you think is this? Um, are these? Um, for one thing, for for one, um, are they actually true reports? And do you, if they are, do you think that there it has anything to do with Euromaidan? Mm-hmm. Are you aware of them? Well, mm-hmm. I definitely agree uh, with what you said that this is an outside influence, uh, a, also an influence that tries to uh, divide, uh, you know, and conquer tries to set uh, Ukrainians against uh, the Jewish people, and um, it is definitely a a stereotype that uh, someone is trying to uh, perpetuate uh, by equating uh, nationalism with anti-Semitism. Definitely this, this is not true, this is far away, far, far from truth. In fact, and I have been to Maidan myself for two days, uh, between December 21st and December 22nd. I have not seen any anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric. I have not heard or seen any anything anti-Semitic. Uh, you know, I've been there for uh, almost two full days, uh, and uh, I have not, have, I did not hear any single word, you know. Uh, that would be offensive to the Jewish community in Ukraine or anywhere else. 
So definitely everybody is uh, really united there. There are no distinctions based on, you know, race, religion, ethnicity, or anything else, sexual orientation. Uh, this is completely untrue. And this is really affecting our work because at the, you know, um, at the Jewish Museum in Lviv, at the Feina Petrikova Center, we are really trying to, you know, promote reconciliation. We're trying with the Ukrainian uh, Jewish Encounter Initiative based in uh, Canada. We are really trying to uh, build, uh, bring about peace, you know, and understanding between the Ukrainian and Jewish peoples. And so whenever somebody is trying to exploit, you know, a very charged, very sensitive uh, political situation in, in our country, it's uh, making our efforts, you know, very much more harder. And it's uh, kind of setting us back. Uh, somewhat. But we also understand that nowadays uh, it's much harder to influence the public opinion and manipulate it because people have access, alternative access to independent sources of information. Mm -hmm. So people are much more critical about it and they have, you know, they have uh, their own opinion uh, about such such articles or, uh, you know, uh, public statements. We were, yes, uh, they are thinking for themselves, uh, definitely, and using the mm -hmm. tools uh, available out there. We were talking about this last summer when, when you and I uh, met at the, at the museum, and uh, you were saying that there has been, um, in the post-Soviet world, there still was a lot of fear of people uh, expressing uh, their own opinions, uh, doing an original analysis. Um, they, you know, they would, uh, they would, they would um, just compile a, a series of, of uh, yep. publications out there already, just put it together in a nice package, but they wouldn't offer anything personal. But even in the in the in the just what year and a half since we spoke, things have changed so much as we're seeing. Uh. Well, definitely the old uh, school, uh, Soviet school of, you know, of learning, of thinking is that you have to listen, not to think. You have to be uh, kind of uh, trained your ability to memorize and regurgitate information, but not to analyze it critically. But, uh, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, students have been at the, at the forefront of this uh, Euro, pro-European movement. Uh, and protesting in Ukraine, and uh, students as a younger generation, they are much more open, much more critical. They have exposure to uh, other cultures, to other countries, and um, that's why it is so important for us, for Ukraine, to continue moving towards uh, Europe, towards Europe, you know, towards. Uh, a, a, a democratic model of, uh, mm -hmm. of governance mm -hmm. because uh, that uh, will uh, bring more international connections, more international exposure. We will be moving into a more, uh, you know, into a realm of a, a, a of a more um, a critical, critically oriented sort of uh, independent uh, uh, culture of thinking, you know, rather than uh, moving into the, you know, the post-Soviet orbit where the same old school of uh, just, you know, listening and uh, not uh, analyzing information pr uh, dominates. And so that's why it's so important. It's one of the, one of those elements in uh, the, you know, in the pro-European uh, political orientation of of the country, it's one of those major benefits that Ukraine would get if it were to integrate into the Euro, Euro, sign the association agreement with the European European Union, because it would bring that uh, you know the uh, more uh, kind of opportunity to think for yourself, more uh, connections, uh, more uh, more people, more students would go to study abroad, you know, uh, exchange programs, or just. Uh, just uh, regular, uh, you know, meetings, just uh, going for a trip, a family trip, let's say, to one of the European countries. Just having a normal life, <laughs> and having a normal life like Definitely. anybody else, yeah. And I think that's one of the uh, things that, the, you know, that, uh, for example, the Russia, uh, Russian government is afraid of. Uh, Russia and Belarus are very close societies, and their elites 
the ruling elites, they want to keep those societies closed for as long as possible because even any any little crack in the system, in the mentality and the thinking of people, it's going to have a you know a snow snowball reaction. It's going to you know plant those. Uh, seeds of independence and uh, you know thinking for yourself kind of uh, attitude that's why that you know russia if if ukraine becomes democratic if a demo, uh, democratization starts to happen it is definitely going to spill over to russia and belarus and that's going to destabilize and you're just going to shake uh, shake up the entire managed democracy model that is now um, well, it's not even a democracy anymore. It's just a managed dictatorship in Russia, and so that's why they don't—they take it very, um, you know, threatening. Uh, the events that are happening in Ukraine, because it is going to be an example of a thinking and a democratic culture, and they don't want that to, um, you know, to. Uh, uh, they don't want that to be, start happening in Russia or, or Belarus as well. Well, because then their power base obviously will be very much threatened. Yes, because then they cannot. You know, when you listen to when you listen to media reports in in Russia, it's uh, uh, it's incredible how how ridiculous the accusations are and then uh, but it's, and you would think it's just a joke but then you understand people are buying into it you know not everyone of course there is there are some there is the IT professionals you know the, mm-hmm. there are some uh, really modern uh, thinking people mm-hmm. who but they don't have they're not there is no critical mass yet in Russia but you you really you're really surprised at how uh, the, these reports are you know, taking for uh, as a real thing. So, because people are used to believing what they see in a, in a, on a TV, on a state TV. Sure. In Russia, they even call them zombie bugs. Really? You know, and uh, uh, for example, I just uh, I was uh, I was uh, watching one of the interviews with the political uh, opposition, uh, one of the members of political opposition in Russia, and he said that when a Kursk, you know, the atomic uh, submarine, uh, when it uh, kind of uh, became uh, when it uh, basically drowned. Uh, in uh, uh, in Russia, uh, in the north uh, northern sea, uh, there there were lots of grieving mothers, you know, that were just uh, shocked by uh, the fact that their sons, uh, you know, their husbands died on that submarine. You know, it's a very like it's a strategic submarine. You just it's supposed to be very safe. They were shocked and. And the media controlled, state controlled media reported that those mothers are not, in fact, grieving mothers, but they were, those were just regular women who were paid to show their emotions. Uh, yeah, that is how much propaganda you have there. That's that's reprehensible. Volodya, thank you so much for for uh, sharing your your thoughts and um, and your uh, your your viewpoints and, and your your um, analysis. I really appreciate that. I'm sorry that I have to cut you off. We are late with some messages. No, no we are late with some messages. So <laughs> thank you very much and um, uh, bless you and keep well. Uh, bless you. Thank you very much. Okay, and Thank best- you for your attention to this uh, issue. And our best to Renata as well. And we were speaking with Volodymyr Volkov with the Ukrainian Jewish Heritage in Ukraine. Uh, sorry, with the Ukrainian, uh, the Jewish Heritage Museum, rather, in Ukraine. And uh, this is Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM. We'll be back after these messages. Калина похилилася 
Сейчасть наша славна Украина зажурилась, а мы ту червону калину пидимемо, а мы нашу славну Украину розвеселимо, а мы ту червону калину пидимемо, а мы нашу славну Украину розвеселимо. Не хилися червона калина. Славна Україна, маєш добрий рід, а ми ту червону калину підіймемо, а ми нашу славну Україну розвеселимо, а ми ту червону калину підіймемо, а ми нашу славну Україну. Alexander Molenin with Chervona Kalena, traditional Ukrainian folk song, a patriotic song, uh, which uh, speaks to the um, a simple, symbolic holiday um, today, that being Ukrainian Unity Day. And this is Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM Radio Malaspina. I'm Paulette Macquarie, and I have on the line with me somebody I've been trying to get a hold of for a long time. His name is Dimitro Potichin, and Dimitro is an expert on civil disobedience, uh, actually peaceful civil disobedience movements um, as well. He lives in Kiev, so he has uh, pretty much a first-hand account of what's going on in Maidan. Dimitro, welcome. Vitayu. Uh, hello, Dobro, yeah. uh, So, Dimitro, um, I wanted to talk to you specifically about um, the um, civil disobedience that's going on in Ukraine. This is uh, something that, the, you know, the West talks about civil disobedience, and, you know, we, we first of all saw that it was peaceful, but it's not peaceful anymore. Yes, now it's uh, not nonviolent resistance, and uh, it is, of course, disobedience, uh, at least for those people who are at Maidan. Uh, I guess for many people who are still sitting at home, it's, it's uh, sometimes disobedience too, because uh, I guess uh, some Ukrainians uh, are also not paying taxes because they don't receive the services they expect from 
government, uh, but uh, Maidan uh, and Hrushevsko is definitely uh, violent disobedience now, and uh, basically the political disobedience uh, was proclaimed by the uh, Maidan organizers also just uh, several days ago. Uh, and uh, this turned into violent uh, movement very, very... Oh, dear. So sorry, we've got uh, some problems, obviously, with the telephone lines, and uh, we'll try to get um, Dimitro back. Um, meanwhile, here is a song um, that pretty much speaks to what is going on in Ukraine. It's by Nikki Rubin, uh, an expat Brit uh, musician living in Kiev. It is called Gangster Movie. Watching a gangster movie 
that was Chetam Shena from Montreal from their CD, Postishkach Marie, Along Paths of a Dream. And that was Ukraino, a song for Ukraine, very apropos for what is going on right now. Unfortunately, I've not been able to reconnect with uh, Dmitro Potichin. Um, however, I would like to share with you and hear myself uh, his thoughts on uh, the situation in Ukraine and uh, in regards in particular to uh, civil disobedience movements uh, as well. So um, we will try to bring him back next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll go to some weather because our time is... Yeah, we're. We're coming close to the end of our our first uh, two-hour program here on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. So uh, we'll take a look at what's going on outside here at home. Um, and it's looking like we're going to be having typical winter weather. Uh, we've got a mix of sun and cloud today with a 30% chance of drizzle. Um, near noon. Well, I guess you can tell me or whether that's happened or not. Fog patches will be dissipating as well with a high of 7 today. Tonight will be partly cloudy fog patches developing overnight and a low of plus 4. Thursday, mainly sunny. Fog patches dissipating in the morning. Yay! High of 9. Friday will be cloudy though with a high of 8 and low of plus 2. Saturday will be a mix of sun and cloud, high of 8, low of plus 4. And Sunday, pretty much the same, a mix of sun and cloud with a high of 7, low of plus 3. So we get a bit of sunshine on the weekend. Monday will be cloudy with a 60% chance of showers, low of plus 1, high of 7. And Tuesday will be cloudy with a 60% chance of showers, low of plus 3, and a high of 7. And that is weather for the Nanaimo area brought to you by CHLY 101.7 FM. And I'm Paulette Macquarie, and we've got a couple more tunes for you before we say goodbye. Here is the Canadian Banduras Capella, with, and they are from Toronto, and here is a traditional uh, Ukrainian folk song. It's actually from the era of the early 20th century, uh, the Sichovistidulci, the Sich Rifleman era, uh, the first declaration of independence in the 20th century, around the 1918-1919 era. And and uh, here they are now. Canadian Banduras Capella from Toronto with uh, The Village is in Sight. Hey, Vedno Selo.
and the Canadian Bandurus Capella from Toronto. And hey, Vedno Salo, the village is in sight. And our proverb of the week translates as, When a person is free, life is good. And I guess that's a sentiment that is certainly shared in Ukraine these days. Well, that just about wraps things up. We've got one last song to leave you with, but I'd just like to remind you before I go that uh, you should join me every Wednesday here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio at 11.30 now, going for two hours till 1.30 here on CHLY 101.7 FM. If you ever miss a show or would like to hear it again, you can get the podcast at chly.ca as well. You can catch the Vancouver podcast and other information at our website, nasholos.com, as well. You you can uh, keep up with events in Ukraine on the Facebook page. Uh, just Google Nash Holos. I'm Pavlina demchik McQuarrie on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and CHLY 101.7 FM. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Dopabachinya. To take us home here is Shum from Winnipeg with Fly Kozak.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.